0: good evening and welcome to Pello Talk. I'm Dave Pello. There is a lot happening in the world. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about tonight, I think I'm actually going to put back to wait on Thursday night when we do not Q&A and let the whole panel join in a bit. And, and that's all the goings-on in Canberra lately with uh, Scott Morrison really looking down the barrel of a minority government. Uh, but there's come to my attention. Uh, I've been monitoring news from Africa for several years now. About three years ago, I did an interview with a prominent South African uh, thought leader who is actually very significant and is actually um, many years ago involved in planning, uh, in charge of planning the state funeral for Nelson Mandela. Uh, He's somebody who's very much in the mainstream and uh, very reputable. Uh, and ever since then, I've been involved in his private WhatsApp group and, and getting lots of updates um, on, on what's going on in, uh, in the continent of Africa. And it came to my attention that there is an emerging humanitarian crisis going on in Mozambique, care of uh, the Islamic State. And it's actually quite atrocious and uh, quite horrific. And uh, I don't know if the media aren't as concerned because it's not politically useful for their preferred narrative. I don't know if they're less concerned because the people being uh, slaughtered are African. Um, That's horrendous in either case. Uh, But I care, and I'm sure you care. And so I asked Simon Roche if he would join me again at short notice, and to my great delight, he was available. And uh, so I can add... Simon to the show right now. Uh, Simon, thank you very much for joining PeloTalk. Talk. It's uh, great to be face to face again.
1: Yeah, it's great. Thank you very much for having Saitlanders, Dave.
0: Now uh, we might get into uh, what Saitlanders is a little bit later, um, but tell me what kind of um, things. What's what's if you can just brief us what's happening in Mozambique? Why should the international community be concerned. Describe that humanitarian crisis
1: unfolding there now, please. David, by no stretch of the imagination am I a, a strategist uh, or a, a, a soldier. So I speak really as a layman. However, we've been monitoring this for going on three years with some people at the Army War College in Pennsylvania United States of America, and we've been receiving on an ongoing basis very good information about what has been transpiring. So as a non-expert, I can kind of uh, regurgitate it for your audience, and it runs something like this. About three years ago, during some setbacks uh, in the ISIL or ISIS uh, theater of operations, in Syria, Iraq, and uh, neighboring countries, an initiative was begun in the north of Mozambique. Now, uh, South Africa is at the very southern tip of Africa, and going up the East Coast, the Indian Ocean coastline, you then get Mozambique as our first neighbor, and our next neighbor is Tanzania. Uh, Tanzania and northern Mozambique have, for centuries, had indigenous Muslim populations. They've always been there, (coughs) although they have generally been regarded by the rest of the Islamic world as recalcitrant, as not very good Muslims, as sloppy Muslims. And so, uh, during this kind of hiatus in the ISIL activities, all of a sudden, we began to see about three and a half, about three, perhaps two and a half years ago, uh, some kind of rumblings in the northernmost province of Mozambique, which is uh, uh, uh neighbor's uh, Tanzania to, to its north. The province is called Cabo Delgado. And this has coincided with the development by Total, or Total if you prefer, the uh, energy and fuel giant, the French energy and fuel giant, uh, the development by uh, total of Africa's largest ever infrastructure project running at 20 billion United States dollars, which is very, very substantial. Yes. Mozambique has uh, been generally recognized to be the poorest country in the world Over the past three or four decades, sometimes it changes places, you know, to second to last or third to last, but the reality is you've got a quite simply dog, dog, dog poor country that all of a sudden discovers a liquefied natural gas field beyond anybody's imagination, Total comes in and starts developing it, and all of a sudden these uh, ISIS type guys come in and they, they start causing trouble. And what it has led to, I'm I'm skipping out a lot of details, which we can get into as we discuss, but to come to a point, what it has led to is that last Wednesday, the town of Palma was overrun initially by swordsmen. This has not been reported in any of the mainstream media, but we are following some very, very, very good sources that have always been reliable. Initially, on the outskirts of the town of Palma, where... Total's uh, base of operations is opposite this liquefied natural gas field, which is in the sea. It's some kilometers offshore. These guys came into town with swords, whirling them about their heads, and apparently they decapitated some people. Lo and behold, on Friday, an all out attack was launched on the town. Now, the Mozambican forces have had years to prepare for this, but they're weak. It is a poor, poor, poor country, and the Mozambican forces mm. are not worth, you know, the breath that you describe them with. And so they've been overrun. And in the process, uh, a number of expatriate workers were killed. One convoy of 17 vehicles managed to escape the encirclement of the town, during which 10 of the vehicles carrying expatriate workers, South Africans, Britons, French, uh, Portuguese, Spanish, Italians—a number of Italians. Ten of the vehicles were lost altogether. And nobody knows where they are. Whether all of the occupants were killed. Apparently, there were about 50 people crammed into those 10 vehicles, and the other seven vehicles made it out with the loss of seven occupants shot to dead, to shot, shot dead as they were running the ambushes out of town. And that's about the gist of it, Dave.
0: So what I understand is that uh, it it started as uh, Muslim youths, disgruntled, unemployed, um, and has actually grown into a significant, well-organised, well-armed fighting force, numbering perhaps over a thousand. Uh, Can you comment on that at all?
1: Some years ago, quite a few years ago, I was in that region, and I had... Never met anybody up until you know not so long ago who had ever been there. The, the far north of Mozambique is like stepping back in time. There are no roads, no hospitals, no schools, no running water at all of any description, with no exceptions. Now, obviously, things have changed a little bit over time, but the point is, disgruntled youths, one hundred percent unemployment, starving goats, and fertile ground for the ISIS guys. So they came in, they came in with organization, they came in with skills and knowledge and experience, and they began a low-level insurgency infiltration about three years ago. And there's a lot more to tell. The the Mozambicans hired some Russians called the Wagner Group. The Wagner Group came in to combat it, but they only had one helicopter, and then they accidentally bombed a Mozambican military convoy. There's been a whole Ooh. series of episodes in the saga, but yes, you're right.
0: I'm just going to uh, read a bit from this uh, news article here, uh, and that's on the MercuryNews.com, dot uh, dated yesterday. Uh, palmer is Pul- palmer maybe I should pronounce that. Palmer is the centre of a multi-billion dollar investment by total the French-based oil and gas company, to extract liquefied natural gas, LNG, from offshore sites in the Indian Ocean. The gas deposits are estimated to be among the world's largest and the investment by Total and others is reported to be $20 billion, one of the largest in Africa. No doubt that kind of development uh, would be very good for one of the world's poorest nations. The battle for Palma forced Total to evacuate its large fortified site a few miles, kilometres, outside of the city. The fighting spread across the town on Monday, according to Lionel Dick, director of the Dick Advisory Group, that's D-Y-C-K, apologies if I'm pronouncing that uh, too simply, a private military group, uh, private military company contracted by the Mozambican police to help fight the rebels. Uh, quote, there is fighting in the streets in pockets across town, um, Dick told the Associated Press. The Dick group has several helicopter gunships in Palma which have been used to rescue trapped civilians and fight the rebels. Quote, my guys are airborne and they've engaged several little groups and they've engaged one quite large group, uh, Dick said. They've landed into the fight to recover a couple of wounded policemen. Uh, We've also rescued many people who were trapped, 220 people at last count. That's a good rescue job. He said those rescued were taken to Tatal's fortified site on the southern African country's Afungi Peninsula, where chartered flights flew many south to Pemba, the capital of Cabo Delgado province. The rebels are well armed with AK-47 automatic rifles, RPD and PKM machine guns and heavy mortars, Dick said. Quote, this attack is not a surprise. We've been expecting Palmer to be whacked the moment the rain stopped and the fighting season started, which is now. He said, they've been preparing for this. They've had enough time to get their ducks in a row. They have a notch up in their ability. They're more aggressive. They're using mortars, end quote. He said many were wearing black uniforms. Uh, continuing, quote, there've been lots of beheadings. Right up on day one, our guys saw the drivers of trucks bringing rations to Palmer, and their bodies were by the trucks. Their heads were off. Uh, he said, it's not going to be easy for the Mozambican government to regain control of Palma. He um, Simon, is this, um, is this something the international community can do anything uh, to help about? Uh, ISIS well, has got control of this strategic town um, in, in Mozambique.
1: Well, it's going to be very difficult for the international community. That report, by the way, is probably the best mainstream report that I've read or heard, um, and it's not being covered as well by, by other sources. Um, the, re- the simple reality is that it is a Muslim environment the people there are Muslims so there's a large degree of sympathy there's a large uh, degree of um, even though the people are poor support in the sense that if um, uh, you come to me as a like-minded person I might hide you in my house or I might give you a handful of mealie meal whatever the case may be rooting people out of an environment in which, which is inherently sympathetic is going to be very difficult
0: yeah, yes, indeed. Um, I don't know if you can uh, lower your camera at all, just point it down a little bit. I saw you had a little bit of difficulty there before. Yeah,
1: I um, did. I don't know what happened there, Dave. I'm going to uh, just have yeah, to no. nice. struggle on, I'm afraid.
0: That's okay. That was uh, that was pretty good. Um, we, we're used to uh, rolling with the punches um, on, <laughs> on on our show. Um, Anita Maguire, one of the people watching, uh, says, it was disgusting how... Our immigration minister Peter Dutton was treated for wanting to give white South Africans uh, refugee status, uh, and that wasn't because they were white, of course. It was because they were being ethnically targeted um, for violence, um, and and uh, probably culturally compatible, e- easily integrated, is is uh, probably the the right reason and, and motivation to to give him there. And yeah, he was uh, labelled as a racist for that. Um, but uh, yeah, that was um, I think that was something that Sightlanders uh, had a little bit of uh, help, if not a lot of help in in helping um, Peter Dutton actually get that uh, the information about what was uh, what's emerging in South Africa.
1: Yeah, that's correct. I don't know what I'm allowed to say yet. you know nobody's uh, told me that it's okay to speak. So I'm gonna keep my mouth stumm as it was at the time that we provided whatever help we provided. I'd like to briefly mention two things to you, Dave, that you may find of interest. Uh, Recently, about uh, perhaps six weeks ago, the farm murder statistics for 2020 were released. And they are one and a half times what they were the previous year. So for anybody who's been following this farm murder story, In spite of the fact that farmers are now taking precautions that are beyond your imagination, including keeping wild lions, not tame lions, wild lions in their farmyards through special camp systems and all sorts of fortifications. And you, you, you can't imagine it. In spite of that, the number of murders of farmers, of owners of farmers, this is over and above the rape of the wives, the slitting of the throats of the daughters and so on and so forth. Has increased uh, by just short, just short of one and a half times in the year 2020. Secondly, I'd like to mention that uh, about four weeks ago, the figures for the year 2020 again, 1st of January, 31st of December, for the emigration of wealth of South Africa were released, and almost 10 percent. Of South Africa's dollar millionaires left South Africa in the year 2020, just about 9.5, 9.6, 9.7 percent. Now, for anybody who understands maths and stats, that's uh, beyond a phenomenon. Mm. Uh, If 10 percent of the dollar millionaires of Australia were to leave Australia in one year, it would be a totally different place. Uh, so You know, just picking up on your observation, uh, there's a lot going on here and it's not good. So let's just say a little bit longer on uh,
0: Mozambique. Um, We will come back to South Africa. That's obviously your home ground. Uh, But that was a good comment, Anita. Thank you. Yeah, it was disgusting the way Dutton was was treated. Um, But what do we expect? Uh, The lying harlot media... Uh, no friends of the truth, and certainly no friends of conservative government. Um, so uh, in Mozambique, mm. you said you've been uh, in discussions with a war college in Philadelphia, did you say?
1: Uh, Pennsylvania, yes.
0: All right. I knew it started with P and was in America. Uh, could have been Pittsburgh, but Pennsylvania. Um, and that was three years ago. Is there something... Mm. Um, like this has been obviously foreseen and and warned about, Uh, what should have the international community, the United Nations, uh, do you think there's anything they should have done to help the Mozambique national government to to properly prepare and and defend their civilians against this injustice?
1: Uh, Dave, I'm not sure because it's difficult to know where to draw the line regarding sovereign interests. Mm. Should be, should the foreign forces have started to meddle uh, or to get involved, is perhaps a better way of putting it, three years ago when it was nascent and just beginning? Should they have gotten involved two years ago, a year ago, six months ago? I don't know. Uh, initially, the, the Mozambican government employed a, a, a group called the Wagner Group, a mercenary group called the Wagner Group. Uh, They then left over non-payment and the bombing of a a Mozambican army convoy, accidental bombing. So then they employed Lionel Dick and his son Max Dick of the Dick Advisory Group, which is not really a South African company. It's a Zimbabwean company with very, very, very strong ties to the Zimbabwean government. Mm -hmm. Um, The Dick Advisory Group struggled a little bit, so they then managed to get hold of some some Gazelle helicopters, and they kitted them out very well. If any of your listeners have a very deep interest in this kind of thing, they can have a look at the website, caliberobscura.com. Calibraobscura.com. It's arguably the world's leading website on this, this field of endeavor, you know, monitoring what weapons are going into and out of various places. So the Dick Advisory Group kitted them up as best they could according to the amount of money that they were being paid. They did a reasonably decent job. And we hear now that three days ago, the uh, uh, they have been supplemented by a force of Ukrainian guys. We know very little about it. It's almost conjecture and hearsay at this point in time. However, it's worth noting that the sources that are telling us this are impeccable sources, brilliant sources. So should the international community have gotten involved? I don't know. There have been lots of guys involved for quite some time. It hasn't made a difference. Now it's getting serious. It's threatening a $20 billion project. Should the United Nations offer help at this stage? Should they hold back a little bit? Should the Mozambicans take more responsibility? I'm not dead clear in my own mind what is right and what is wrong.
0: Yeah, sure. I guess we could talk about it and speculate but even if you're in my opinions uh, on on uh, you know ho- uh, imperialistic intervention in in other nations uh, aside i assume mozambique's a member of the united nations and um the united nations is there to essentially protect and preserve the status quo of legitimate governments and certainly islamic State terrorist insurgencies, uh, rebelling against the government, uh, would seem to be in the purview of why Mozam, what Mozambique would expect, um, uh, you know, as a membership benefit.
1: Uh, yeah, so... I don't know. I don't know if they've made an appeal to the United Nations
0: or to the yeah. Security
1: Council for that matter, whether they've asked for the help or not. Uh, it's a good question, and I can't say I've seen any uh, any evidence one way or the other.
0: Uh, I guess what I'm worried about is that we're not going to... Uh, I don't want to see another situation like the Rwandan genocide where the United Nations saw it all happening, had observers on the ground, could have intervened, and they just sat on their hands to bureaucratically pass the buck until it was all too late and millions of people have died. I, uh, again, philosophically, I, I don't know if that's something we're obliged to as foreigners uh, as military capable um foreigners obliged to intervene in um mm. especially uninvited I, I think that's probably mm. clear for, if not invited then no but um there's there's something individually in me which which wants to save a million lives where we can and and mm.
1: you know, what's mm. going on in,
0: in in syria and wherever isis goes they're a cancer and and uh so So damaging and and toxic for the the life and vibrancy and and flourishing Mm. of a nation.
1: Mm. It's the eternal Christian dilemma, isn't it, Dave? I mean, it is almost the central pillar of Christian conscience. When Mm. is love tough? When When is it too tough and when is it not tough enough? Uh, you know, gentle, and know, We don't want to
0: confuse that justice and that defense of the innocent and the vulnerable. We don't want to confuse that defense compassion with a, with a imperialistic imposition of what's ultimately just a democratic culture versus uh, a more violent, less democratic culture.
1: The thing is, though, that in Africa and in the Muslim world, those two things are confused. They are really fused together, um, mm. like a, two soldered wires. Uh, and they, they struggle to discern between the two, and perhaps rightly so. I, I, honestly, my sympathies tend more towards them than the historic disposition, our historic disposition, uh, whether it be in Vietnam or Korea, or wherever the case may be. You know, we could argue about this stuff all day long. But Africans are very hesitant to have foreigners on their their shores. And Muslims are very hesitant to see what they regard as crusaders on their shores. And then there's a third consideration here. The north of Mozambique, not only this northernmost uh, province of Cabo Delgado, where the town of Palma is found and where this liquefied natural gas project is found, but the general north of Mozambique was historically... Uh, the preserve of Renamo uh, during the Mozambican civil war for many years, the you know the one civil war, the, the one force, uh, the one actor was, uh, you know, completely occupied the north. Do they want to see a balance of power tipping at all? Foreigners coming in, perhaps them being sidelined, Mozambican forces using the foreigners as a Trojan horse to take over this uh, region as big as most countries in Europe, uh, you know, and to leave them on the sidelines. I think that there are, I suspect, I I, I don't know for certain, but I suspect that there are many Mozambicans who frankly don't want the clean water and democracy of the West in this picture.
0: Well, that would make it easier to answer the question, um, what should we do? Uh, you know, if they don't want the help, if they would rather ISIS than the West, uh, I, I think... Look, I'm just opining here. Uh, I don't know that I'm right or wrong. Happy for commenters watching to, to chime in. Um, but uh, I, I think they have the right to self-determination, that's clear. Um, and if they prefer ISIS um, over Western democracy, freedom and, and development, uh, I think it's their right to make that choice. We don't have to like it or agree with it. Um, but uh, I, th- I think it's important that the offer is there and, and certainly that the compassion and awareness is there. Uh, and just know, so money to- isn't, a problem, isn't a solution because we know that's not going to get where it, where it needs to go.
1: Well, you know, there's so much to weigh up here, Dave. There, there's a $20 billion project on the go and doubtless, even with however much corruption... It is going to have some benefit for the people in the immediate vicinity and in the larger state of Mozambique. So do you say, well, these guys have a right to self-determination. Therefore, we're not going to meddle there. If they want to put a stop to the, the, the work of total, let them do it. What about all of the babies in one of the poorest countries in the world who won't get adequate nutrition because of the taxes that are not forthcoming to the Mozambican government. You will remember, Dave, you're on, if I may say so, I hope that this doesn't sound sort of aloof, but you're on a a very elite group. You know, that WhatsApp group to which you alluded earlier has got members of the European Parliament, German Parliament, the Bundestag, you name it, uh, uh, very, very senior people in the Pentagon and so on, on it. And I posted some uh, videos you last to, uh, year. You'll have
0: to arrange some interviews for me.
1: <laughs> well, yeah. The, the point being that, that we're corresponding at a fairly high level. There was, it wasn't just bragging. There's a real point to it. We're corresponding um, yeah. at a very high level on, on this matter. And last year, you'll recall that I posted some videos with with warning notices saying, if you're a sensitive Christian, don't watch this. But for those of you for whom it is relevant to see the severity of the matter, for whom it is pertinent and germane, have a look. Mm. And I posted videos of women being raped and then murdered in Mozambique in this conflict. Uh, They were absolutely heart-rending. Now, do I, as a Christian, have a moral obligation to interfere in your domestic affairs, for the sake of your wife, whether you like it or not, because you're beating her to a bloody pulp, or must I keep out of your house? I, what I'm saying to you is that the dilemma is beyond me. I'd, I don't have a good, clever, straight answer for you.
0: Look, it's it's an excellent um, uh, thought problem, um, thought experiment, uh, and, mm. and I, I think I can answer that fairly directly, and, and I think... That um, and I probably let me inverse it, and, and that is where is it my problem? Where is it my responsibility? And and I'm going to take my lead from scripture, but I think it also makes sense in in the world to somebody who doesn't consider the Bible an authority. Um, but from the Bible, it says we are to care for those strangers and foreigners furthest away from us, but it also says that uh, the person who fails to look after his own house is worse than an unbeliever. Uh, And so I think there's a a clear um, distinction uh, with orders of proximity so that the closer somebody is to my house, the more I'm responsible for them. Um, Mm. And I'm less responsible for people far away from me uh, but not lacking compassion. I still care. Um, And with whatever's Mm. available to me to help, I, I should. And I think that also works when we talk about authority. Um, it's my right first, before government, before anybody else. It's my, it's my responsibility and my God-given authority to look after the people in my own house, and make sure that mm. in my house there's justice and there's peace, uh, and that there's welfare. Um, and, mm. and then, and then for my neighbours, um, I, I don't have any authority there. But certainly, if I if I heard help stop hitting me, um, I'm scared, somebody call the police, then it's my responsibility mm. to bring in the authorities. Uh, there's mm. a degree of responsibility there. Um, now, if that was in another nation, I don't think there's any authority there unless invited. Uh, I've, got, mm. I've got deep concern and compassion, like you said. It's horrific and it breaks my heart and I want to do something. Uh, but I think there's a boundary um there that says if your people have a choice if your nation has a choice and they say no thank you um to that help mm. i um I, I think the offer should be made uh practical help should be offered um and if you know yeah and and we have to trust that there's a lot that we can do for prayer and i i've in prayer and i feel that sorry for people who don't have that that, mm. uh, that option. Um, but, yeah, you, it, it's not a simple solution, but, that's look, that's my take on it, um, a little little five-second uh, <laughs> or five-minute yeah. maybe. Look, um,
1: some people would say that the, that the sovereign state is everything, and if the sovereign state of Mozambique appeals for help, then there's an obligation uh, in the Brotherhood of Nations to assist its fellow. And then there are, of course, those people who would say that the... that that faith has primacy or religion has primacy. The the Muslims of that vicinity are very clear in their minds. The last thing that they want is crusaders. So do you give the state primacy, uh, you know, the state of Mozambique, or do you give those very people there who don't want any foreigners end of story and who want a caliphate according to their consciences above all things? Uh, mm-hmm. I should mention to you, for those of your viewers who have an interest in this, that the, 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 the theater of endeavor in this story, that is to say, the very south of Tanzania and the northernmost province of, of Mozambique, are strongly connected to a, the ISCA, Islamic State in Central Africa, which is based around Kivu in Eastern uh, Democratic uh, Republic of Congo, Congo DRC. Uh, Now, uh, these guys clearly have ambitions of expanding. They're not going to stop. And their faith dictates very, very simply. I listened to a thing on BBC Radio 4, and anything on BBC Radio 4, you know, errs on the side of political correctness. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just recently, in which uh, an Oxford don spoke about the expansion of Islam across Africa. And he said the reason why it was the most expa- successful uh, prolificatizing prolesi- prolesi- of, of any faith in history is because it was done by the sword. End of story. So now where do you draw the line? Where do, where do you say these guys in northern Mozambique may not expand their caliphate any further because the people on the on the on the periphery, the next bunch of people that they're going to convert, don't want it. And where do you say, well, you know, Islam, it's a a religion of peace. They're entitled to do what they like. They they converted North Africa. Augustine, St. Augustine came from Hippo. St. Augustine was a North African. It was a Christian environment. Egypt was a Christian environment. Uh, mm. Lebanon was a Christian environment, Syria Christian environment Asia Minor, Turkey the, the letters of St. Paul to the churches those were to Christians in a Christian world, the yeah. Muslims came along and said we're not having any of this, We our swords are bigger than yours and we're going to chop your heads off and you can't stop us, a hundred years later, a thousand years later does anybody complain? No, the issue went away, so uh, 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 the reality is that it is a near intractable dilemma that is probably only going to be resolved by self-interest. That is to say, Total is going to apply whatever pressure it has to apply to ensure that the United States of America, Pakistan, Uzbek, you name it, Mm. that they come there with whatever forces are required to suppress the uprising. Then on the other hand, they will do what they always do is that they will give a 500 million dollar donation to the the head of the local tribes and he will uh, in the african patronage stereotype he will allow it to filter downwards to the people around him and there will be an effective balance reached at some point but until that point is reached the competing forces are going to endeavor to take as much ground as they can so yeah. that when it comes to that point of you know the final showdown And the final bribe, they're in the strongest position.
0: Yeah. Now, a question I've got for you, and you may not have the the foggiest idea how to answer this, so feel free to say, I don't know. How much influence? I I think the biggest concern right now in the world is not Islamic terrorism and the expansion of IS, but China. How much Marxist politics is there existing in Mozambique that is friendly to IS, and and what's China's influence there, if you know it all,
1: David? The ingress of China into Africa is far greater than is being reported um, by the average mainstream media. I can tell you stories that will, you know, be difficult for you to believe. Uh, the The Chinese are going wherever they can get food that they can't produce at home and wherever they can get strategic resources that they can't produce at home. Uh, I live in a region which provides about four-fifths, over four-fifths of the world's manganese and not far from a region that that provides, well, in 2005, provided 100% of the world's chrome. And we see the trucks passing here every day, getting more and more and more and more and more and more. There's a consumption of resources being undertaken by China now, which was recently covered on Zero Hedge, in which the author did a a scholarly job of proving, I'd like to use the word proving because it was very scholarly, that China is consuming uh, 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 resources at a rate that has hitherto only been seen throughout all of history in times of warfare, it is consuming three times the amount of resources than, or, or, or buying up three times the amount of resources than it can possibly consume. So, I don't want to get into whether China is preparing to start World War III, but I do make the point that China is voraciously and rapaciously taking whatever it can right now. It is present in Mozambique, present in Tanzania. Heavily present in South Africa, in Zimbabwe, so so present in Zimbabwe that the Chinese have placed S two hundred missile systems around some of its mining interests in Zimbabwe. Now, whether it thinks that those mines are going to be you know uh, susceptible to an airborne invasion from Malawi or what it is that that they had to put S two hundred missile systems there, I have no idea. But it indicates to you uh the level of interest, the level of fanatical interest and jealous protection being exercised by them.
0: What do you think of this? Uh, a commenter by the name of Oh Captain My Captain uh, says the Mozambique government does not want stability in the north because they despise RENAMO, the anti-communist movement up there. Are you familiar with that? You Got any comments on that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's probably a fair comment. I wouldn't say that it's 100% accurate, but I'd say it's about as fair and intelligent as anything else anybody's going to say on this very muddy, murky subject. The, the Mozambican government is historically Marxist. The Renamo okay. is historically not. But Renamo would sell its grandmother. You know, I don't think ideology is really at the end of the day what it's all about. And okay. the same applies to the Mozambican ostensibly Marxist government.
0: Radio. Uh, now, um, just here we go. All right, I'm just going to do a little bit of uh, housekeeping now. Want to actually share with our viewers this photo? Uh, you may remember um, that on not Q and A last week, uh, we talked about Alexandra Marshall, one of the regular Good Source commentators. Uh, and about her uh, house being wiped out and destroyed in the floods. Uh, Well, this is her library. It's now rubbish in the back of a trailer. Um, The kind of ideology we normally fight uh, is infamous for burning books and uh, cancel culture. Uh, But in this case, Ellie Melly's books have been flooded and drowned. Uh, So that's something that we want to... Help rectify as uh, the Good Source supporters and, and community. Uh, so, if you can help, um, please head to GoodSource.news/marshall and uh, do what you can to to um, donate to that worthy cause. There's, there's been many generous people already. Uh, we're approaching $500 in donations that are going to be going towards Ellie Millie to rebuild her library with secondhand books to try and make that go as far as possible and uh, she needs those to be able to do the research uh, for all the writing that she does so wonderfully for uh the good source and spectator and, and so many other good conservative outlets uh, here in australia and around the world so if you're listening that web address once more where you can go and chip in five ten fifty dollars uh and there's some people who've been much more generous than that um is goodsource.news forward slash marshall and uh Thank you very much for that. And uh, to the good source supporters who help us out every week and every month uh, generously to keep this kind of um, independent, honest media coming to you. Uh, Simon, let's kick into um, South Africa, your backyard. And I've got a provocative uh, comment here from uh, one viewer that I'm sure you might take some exception to. Um, And it might not be sympathetic, but it might just be observational. Uh, Bo James Heyman says, many people are of the opinion. Sorry, this comment's blocking your face at the moment. It's in the lower half of the screen. Uh, Bo says, many people are of the opinion that white South Africans get what they deserve for the Dutch invasion of South Africa. How can we expect world government intervention when this is the opinion on the ground? Morality? has left most of these countries. So he might not be sympathetic with that opinion, but uh, he says many people are of the opinion uh, that white South Africans are the invaders and deserve to be expelled. Uh, I think the the word is um, uh, expropriation without compensation.
1: Yeah. Uh, Well, it's a contentious thing, Dave. Where do you draw the line? Um, Shall we begin with the... uh the forced conversion of North Africa—that seems like a nice place to be. And it's not too far, not three thousand years ago, but uh, not too recently either. So let's take back North be Africa back, for uh, Christianity. fifteen
0: 1, hundred years ago?
1: Exactly. Not, not quite, but close enough. 1,300 1, years ago. Let's right. t- let's take let's take that that back for Christ- Christianity, and then we talk about the next matter. I think, I think, the next matter that we should talk about is the East African slave trade. Now, the the West African slave trade, that is to say, to the Americas, to South America and the Caribbean mostly, and to a very small extent, statistically speaking, uh, the total numbers involved was something like 11 million. Something like plus or minus, give or take, 11 million. So, let's do this. We'll get on to the East African slave trade in a second. That 11 million... We first address it with the Africans that captured those slaves. Then the Muslims who traded in them. Then the Jews, over 60%. This is a little-known fact. It's well-substantiated, well-recorded fact. Then the Jews who transported them, because the overwhelming majority of the ships that transported the slaves to the Americas were owned by Jews. It was a, a sphere of endeavor. It was heavily dominated by Jews. Right? Then we go to the East African slave trade. Now the reason why there are no uh, descendants to be found of black Bantu type people in in the East uh, in the uh, is, uh, the Arabian Peninsula is because all of those slaves were castrated. The males were castrated at the moment they got off the boat. Let's settle those matters, and then we'll whine about Louisiana. I don't know where we start and where we begin this thing in 1652 the dutch established a, a, a trading station on the 6th of april 1652 in south africa the first black proper black people encountered were encountered by a man called captain robert j gordon who worked for the dutch east india company in december of and where was uh, it this is in south africa We established a colony in 1652 in 1777, early 1778, 125 years later. Can you look me in the eyes and tell me that it took 125 years for the first white American settlers to meet Red Indians? Or that it took the Australians 125 years to meet uh, Aborigines? This is recorded. This is fact. You don't have to like it. But it remains the truth, meaning that comfortably 40% of South Africa had not yet been settled by the tribes, the black tribes descending from Central Africa. This is a well-known recorded science. So we're getting what we deserve. Can we also have the 40% where we don't deserve it without problems? You know what this is like? I don't know if you have this in Australia, but in South Africa, whenever there's a big motor race at Monza or a World Cup uh, uh, rugby, World Cup soccer, whatever, the Coca-Cola and our big uh, uh, telephony providers have competitions where you can win four days in Monza in a five-star hotel by scratching under the lid of a Coca-Cola bottle. When you watch the race, you and your woman, the whole lot, Two, two front row seats. I feel like I just won two front row seats in the same way to the finals of the World Stupidity comp- uh, competition. <laughs> to the World Championships of Stupidity is that comment that you just featured by Bo Baden or whatever his name is. Bless him, but he's dumb.
0: Yeah, he was uh, not actually sympathising with it. He was just uh, observing that's what some people on the ground think. Uh, and I, I think you've actually... Look, I've certainly come across people since talking to you where I say, oh, you know, things are bad in South Africa and they're white South Africans and, and they know or they claim to know nothing about it. Um, I, I think uh, you've explained in other interviews uh, that there is a maybe a large percentage of white South Africans... Um, who are either unaware or or just disagreeing that there's any problem at all?
1: Well, you know, Dave, it is a phenomenon, or we, we believe it's a phenomenon. We white South Africans tend to believe that when our brothers, I have a brother who's overseas, I had another brother who was overseas for 10 or 15 years, they tend to forget about South Africa. It's a funny thing. Maybe it's scientific, maybe it's not scientific, I don't know. But let me give you a a brief illustration. Our police force has just lost legal access to its own central firearms registry. What the police force is (laughs) under law not entitled to know who owns firearms. Uh, A couple; uh, these are separate events, but they've occurred. But their registry. It's their registry, yeah. and they're not allowed to access it. Uh, so, yeah, who yeah. does access it is the question. The people who designed the software who weren't paid. The DNA database <laughs> of the DNA database of South Africa is no longer functional. Meaning, you may oh, wow. or may not know, Dave, that the statistic uh, there's an organization called People Opposed to Women's Abuse, which is the leading activist organization in South Africa concerning gender-based violence, and they work very closely in conjunction with scholars, universities, and so on. And they say that the percentage of women who will be raped once in their lifetime is 35%. Then there are others, more, who will be raped twice, thrice, four times, and so on. Right. So in order to prosecute those crimes, obviously DNA is a vital, vital thing. Otherwise, it's he said, she said. The DNA database of the Republic of South Africa at the moment does not exist, is not functional at all. Not slightly, a little bit. Simon's a wild, racist, right-wing exaggerate. No, not at all. Mm. No, no rape cases. 35 out of 100 women in South Africa will be raped once in their lives. Not one at the moment of those cases can be prosecuted. So I'm very pleased for all the white South Africans li- living in, 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 in Perth and Wellington and Toronto believe that there's not that much going on in South Africa. Uh, God bless you. May you live a peaceful life. But you're an idiot. You know, I, I told you that last year, almost just sort of 10% of all of the dollar millionaires in South Africa left South Africa. Left You must know that when the most capable, competent, brightest, competitive, uh, the best of the gene pool that's are running away to a, at ten an percent a year, day. that there yeah. is something wrong, regardless of what people in uh, Sydney, you know, uh, who were formerly from Boxburg, what they may think. God bless them. Um, the the so the general evidence. Right. What's I'm the possibility point, of?
0: What's the possibility of white South Africans who are still residents in South Africa not knowing about the farm massacres and, and other uh, dysfunctionalities going on in South Africa right now? Is there such a sheltered lifestyle possible where there's nothing wrong with their internet, their electricity, or their crime statistics?
1: Yeah, yeah absolutely. I know many of them, many, many of them. Uh, blood family, family by marriage. Many people who don't want to know this stuff. My mother said to me, uh, not so long ago, uh, we, were, we were talking about there's a There's a big uh, problem with pensions uh, over the past f- five years, as it has recently been demonstrated on, I believe, the 16th of October, 10th or the 16th of October last year by a man called Magnus Heistek, who is uh, a partner in the, with the Oppenheimers, in a a company called Brenthurst Wealth. In other words, he's a supremely competent man who works with the wealthiest, cleverest, sharpest people in the world. Demonstrated that all pensions in South Africa, bar none, lost 30 to 40% of their value over the past five years. Now, if I chat to my mom about that and say, Mom, be a little bit careful. Mommy, think about this. Mom, you and dad are reaching a certain age now. Now, Mom, you must chat to my other brother. He's so good at this kind of thing. Let him help you. But just be aware. Her answer to me is, Simon, I would rather stick my head in the ground like an ostrich than deal with what is happening in the country at the moment. I had a similar, not the same, but a similar conversation with my father. And he said to me, Simon, uh, my father is a pious man, maybe the most pious man I know, who never uses the name of God in vain, who never says things lightly. He said to me, Simon, if I thought about the things that you thought all about all day, I would commit suicide. There's no possible way that I could cope with it. I spoke to one of my brothers about this stuff, a nice conversation, a pleasant conversation, not hectoring, not haranguing, just nice, easy conversation. And phoned him about two weeks later and said to him, hey, how's it going? He said to me, look, I don't want to talk to you. He said, for three nights I didn't sleep after our conversation. He said, it's not that I only slept 10 minutes or half an hour or an hour. He said, for 72 hours I was awake. I could not wow. sleep in terror. Please don't tell me anymore. The reality is the general evidence database has lost uh, uh, eight, over, over 8 million pieces of evidence. Okay, so the 8 million pieces of evidence that the police would use for for prosecuting crimes that that have been lost. I'm sorry about my camera, Dave. And they have a backlog of over six months of 172,000 crimes. It is bad, Dave. It's not good. The Presidential Financial Advisory Committee advised our president in September of last year that he must prepare to renege on his foreign loans, that the time is coming now where we won't be able to pay the World Bank. You know what happens, you know what happened with Argentina, you're of a certain age, you've seen these things happen. Um, yes. you, for the first time in 56 years, our army didn't have an intake this year. These are not small things.
0: Wow, that's huge. That's uh, crazy. Are you able to try and fix your camera while we're still talking?
1: Uh, I, I can't do both at once, unfortunately, Dave. I, I'm really very sorry. Oh, there we go.
0: That's okay. Um, I'm, I'm actually just trying to bring up a picture of you or the thumbnail of the show to, uh, to, to do it uh, as well. Hang on. I've got a picture of you in, in my background there on the screen. Uh, but we've I'm got, very nice sorry about
1: this, Dave. I, I can't explain it to you. It's the first time it's ever happened.
0: Just, uh, go back down again, to closer towards your desk so we can get your head above the, um, comments that we're pulling up every now and then a bit more. There we are. Perfect. Perfect. That's great. Awesome. Well, um, I actually, you know, maybe this is uh, an odd topic, an odd place to start, but let's let's actually uh, try and wrap up the hour with um, yes. some documentation uh, or, or some some listing from you of of what are the dysfunctionalities going on in South Africa at the moment uh, and. Um, I I know you're not given to hyperbole, but for those people who are in denial or or just in ignorance and they've never heard that there's a problem in South Africa, uh, in in the promotion and description for this video, I I described it as a galloping or hurtling towards becoming a failed state. Uh, What are the things going on in South Africa at the moment that never were a problem before? Uh, but are fast becoming unignorable to the point of, of South Africa collapsing as a functional yes. democracy?
1: Well, uh, for instance, the uh, electricity supply is becoming more and more and more erratic. And this is, people may find this interesting. South Africa has an installed electricity capacity generation capacity of between 45,000 and 47,000 megawatts. It depends how you count it. Let's give the benefit of the doubt and call it 45,000. South Africa's peak draw is just under 25,000 megawatts. So in other words, we should have at any given time 20,000 megawatts spare. So when people read in the newspapers, maybe viewers of yours in Australia who keep up with South African news, when they read that South Africa is, is 5,000 megawatts short, in other words, that it's only developing at a certain point of, in time, 19,000 megawatts, it doesn't mean that 5,000 megawatts is not available. It means that 26,000 megawatts of 45,000 is not available. So the electricity crisis in South Africa is in fact enormous. Over 50% of the generation or the development capacity is not functional. Two weeks ago, the city of Johannesburg and its water reticulation partners, namely uh, Rand Water and Joburg Water, announced that they would implement cuts of 45% due to non-payment, not non-payment necessarily by the consumers of the water, but the people through whom they pay. So what happens is you, David, use a certain amount of water every month. You've got to get it to the water authority at the top of the mountain, whoever they are in your your area, uh, and you pay through somebody. That money is being stolen so wholesale that they started cutting water. So in one week, two weeks ago, we had a situation where Forty-five percent of the water of thirteen percent of Africa's economy. Thirteen percent of Africa's economy is found just in Johannesburg and surrounds okay. the little mini state of Gauteng, the mini province of Gauteng. Forty-five percent of the water and a meaningful amount of the electricity uh, was not being uh, was not being provided because of the theft of funds.
0: Now, So you mean the, the taps are just turned off. There's, the, the, there's nothing in the taps when they turn the tap on, that 45% mm. of the town has no water at all. Not just 45% of the dam to go around everybody, but the taps are dry in 45% of the town.
1: How they do it is they reduce the pressure by 45%. So in theory, you can get 55% of what you used to be able to get out of your taps, which is not the end of the world. Except that in some cases, in areas that lie in you know the wrong height, I'm not a water engineer, but I read sure. an article about this, they get none at all. There were about 20 regions of Johannesburg, not, not near suburbs, but regions of Johannesburg or greater Johannesburg that go yeah. no water at all. Because at the best of times, their pressure is not very great. So when it's reduced overall by 45%, they get none at all. Um, you, wow. you know, the, the ambulance service, the, the and, state and
0: ambulance said, service. Sorry, before you go on to the ambulance service, you said the the money to pay for the water is being stolen. So somebody's tried to pay for the water. Is it the government that's tried to pay for the water? And, and how does the money get stolen?
1: Uh, there is a, a direct equivalent in the village in which I live. I'm coming to you from the village of Fund, which is on the Kloof Dam, on the Orange River, which is more or less in the center of South Africa, if anybody wants to take a look on Google Maps or Google Earth. In our village, we have what's known as uh, penalty power, meaning that our power gets cut off because the electricity provider hasn't received its money. What happened was that we paid our money. We, I, I, as a consumer, I pay my money, I pay for the electricity I use, that mm-hmm. money gets passed on to the African National Congress authorities. The authorities then keep the money. And they stole about $50 million just uh, for electricity. But they have no money to put chlorine in the water. And because we are on the rim of a dam, obviously, we lie higher. The houses are higher than the dam, obviously.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the way the sewerage works... Is that it runs downhill because it requires gravity to go out of your flushing toilet and out of your garden and so on it has to run downhill so it runs down almost to the rim of the dam and then gets pumped back uphill from a central point or a number of central collection points to the sewerage farm there is no money for diesel for the generators for those uh, uh, pumps Meaning that the the, the, the the sewage has been running out of the sewerage pipes, out of the manholes, into the dam. This is one of the largest dams in the whole of Africa. It's 100 kilometers long. The dam wall is 99 meters high to the water and 110 or 112 meters high altogether. It's an edifice. It's like the, the Hoover Dam. It's like the Aswan High Dam. It's enormous. This this is being fed whenever there is penalty power. In other words, whenever our power is cut off because we paid the money but it was stolen by the ANC and the sewage cannot be pumped through the sewerage system, there's no diesel uh, for the the standby generators. It runs into the dam. This is real life in the real world, Dave. People can say whatever they like. There's untold evidence of it.
0: How does, so you pay for your water bill to go to, you pay the ANC, the, the government, uh, is it the ANC or the, the ANC is the government?
1: We we pay the governmental structures and in theory, the state and the party are not the same thing. In Australia, the state and the party are not the same thing, right. but in an effect of one party state where the opposition is very, very minor and where the, the overwhelming majority of municipalities and provinces and National, where everything is controlled by one party, it is tantamount to the ANC stealing. There's no point me saying in the spirit of crystal clear honesty that it was the municipality that stole it when it was a cabal of ANC-deployed people that and what stole all the, money doing
0: it. the money. Do they just uh, line their own pockets and build their houses and buy boats with it? Or what, what are they doing with the yeah, money? Yeah, that
1: exactly. exactly. I, I have a woman who comes and cleans for me and Because I'm a, a, a bachelor, so it's a, it's a necessity, I'm embarrassed to say, but it's the truth. And she has a twin sister who, <laughs> who cleans for somebody else on the same day, and she pops in here in the afternoon to collect her sister who works for me, and the two of them go off together. And one day, my cleaner told me that our municipal manager spent 91000 on the birthday party, first birthday party of his illegitimate daughter, his his girl, not his wife's children, wow. his girlfriend's child. So I said to her, "That's impossible. That's that's an exaggeration. It's an absolute exaggeration." She said to me, "We heard it from the child's mother. She was bragging about it around town." So I, I when her sister arrived to pick her up for them to carry on home, uh, she called her sister and said. I'm not going to tell you what I've just told him. You tell him. How much was did this guy, this a municipal manager, man, a clerk practically? We used to call them town clerk. What did he spend on his his sideline marriages, child's first birthday? And she said quite promptly, ninety-one thousand. So yes, that's exactly what they do. We pay the money in for the water and electricity that we use and for the services and what have you, and then they steal it. For some time, we didn't have a rubbish collection truck. Yeah. So sorry, um,
0: that's 91,000 Rand?
1: 91,000 Rand.
0: Which is about $8,000 Australian, I think. Which is
1: about $8,000, but in terms of purchasing power parity, it's not, because we pay a lot less for an Apple than you do. Okay. It's probably closer to $15,000. Exchange rates are artificial after all. If the South African rand dropped by a million percent tomorrow, it wouldn't actually mean that the Australian dollar had somehow gotten miraculously stronger. So sure. it's, it's inaccurate to, to, to go by the exchange rate. In terms of PPP, about $15,000.
0: Andre Nepkin says, as a South African, I can assure you that he is not exaggerating. In reality, the decline is horrendous. I interrupted you before when you were uh, just clarifying some points. Uh, but you were going to talk about ambulance service as uh, an example oh, yeah. of South African state failing.
1: <laughs> you you can't believe this stuff. You can't make it up, Dave. Uh, about four weeks ago, the ambulance service in Pretoria, the effective capital city, we have a strange arrangement where we have two, arguably three capital cities, but the effective one is Pretoria. So the capital city of what is by far the largest economy in Africa shut down its ambulance service simple as that no ambulance got a heart attack no ambulance wow simple. broke your neck in a rugby accident sorry for you buddy no ambulance for this week they shut it down over non-payments and disputes and money stolen and ANC guys up to no good I mean it just it just it doesn't end as I said to you earlier we've we've not had an intake this year for something like 50, for the first time in 56 years, a, a military intake. That is to say, we have four branches of military. That's the way our system works. Army, as everybody does. Navy, as everybody does. And uh, Air Force, as everybody else does. But um, uh, we also have a medical health leg. None of the four had an intake this year. The, and the first wow. responsibility of government, no, anybody no, who no. understands political science knows that, the, that the, the first responsibility of government is the defence of the realm more it's than anything planet. else.
0: Now, is, is that... Uh, is that um, I guess there's three things which I could think of might explain that. One is uh, they are wanting deliberately, the government is wanting to downsize uh, the military, um, two is uh, that there's a complete lack of money and funds and, and so while wanting a big military, they just can't pay for them. Or, or three is just the sheer gross incompetence of, of the organisation.
1: It's, it's the sheer gross incompetence of the people who are in charge coupled with a tremendous decline in the tax base in South Africa. To give you some idea, the number of people on social grants in South Africa now is just sort of 18 million. Over the past few years, it's gone from something like 17.3 million to something like 17.9 million. Nobody's dead sure. The number of people who pay income tax in South Africa is 3.1 million. And there's a recent suggestion that it has now dipped beneath 3 million. That gives you a sense of perspective on the crisis in South Africa, whether the Sydney Morning Herald or the Durban Daily News or the Toronto Star or the Las Vegas Enquirer acknowledge it or not. So,
0: the population of 58 million or so people in South Africa are being subsidized by around 3 million taxpayers.
1: Last year, the government, uh, sorry, not last year, the year before, 2019, April, two reports were uh, 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 written uh, in conjunction with one another. There were two sort of, uh, I don't know, sister reports, twin reports um, uh, by the South African Social Security Agency and the Department of Statistics South Africa, in which they demonstrated four times over that in fact the population of South Africa is 85 million. They're just really? not admitting it. Yeah, it's not on Wikipedia. It's not on government sources. It's nowhere. But this, re, <laughs> these two reports came out and people read them and they started comparing notes. And the government never, ever disavowed them. Well, the because, last because census was 2011,
0: wasn't it? Hmm? The last census was 10 years ago.
1: Oh, dear, Dave, you, you've caught me flat-footed I, offhand. I, I can't think uh, when it was. Yeah. Uh,
0: I'm just Googling it, so I'm, I'm half okay. confident in it. Um, well, I actually didn't use Google. use used DuckDuckGo,
1: but anyway. Um, yeah, so do I because it's uh, not part of the satanic cabal. And,
0: and you know what? If if we take the most conservative, most outdated number possible from 2011 when it was around 57, 58 million people, 3 million taxpayers is still you know, 3 million 3 in 60 is still grossly inadequate to keep a state functional, uh, let alone 3 in 80 uh, million people. And then you have 1 in 10 of your millionaires, dollar millionaires, leaving the nation. Uh, it's just, it, it's certainly unsustainable. Um, and I, I just, my, my heart breaks, I, uh, and I'm sure your heart breaks for your nation too, um and and the 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 powerlessness you must feel to save your nation and and your neighbors from inevitable collapse it seems i I don't know what it would take to turn it around um obviously a complete change of government but i'm not a complete change of government and i'm not sure how that's possible without a complete change of culture um, yeah,
1: Dave, it's, it's not going to happen. You know, uh, people who know me well will stand up for me when I say that I have historically had a close association, much closer than any, you know, or 99, out of 100 white people with the black people of South Africa. I lived in what is known as a black migrant labor hostel, a single men's working hostel, which is a, an experience that you cannot imagine in your own mind. So far, it's not my way to deprecate other races. But, there is a simple rea- reality here, whether you like it or not. Imagine I give you a fancy-schmancy computer, and that computer has been designed by somebody like you, who understands what you understand, who has had a Western education like you have had so-and-so. You will use it to a certain level of competence. If I give it to somebody in an environment, in which it has been proven 888,000 times that there is an IQ problem, apart from education, apart from uh, 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 nutrition, apart from everything, that there is a gene pool of cats that is slightly mentally weaker than most other cats. That Those cats or those dogs or those human beings are going to struggle to operate that computer or that society or that banking system, whether you and I like it or not, whether we love people around us or not, whether we see the spirit of Christ in all people or not, whether we acknowledge as the most rabid right wingers in the world or not. That it says in black and white in the Holy Scriptures of God Almighty that one of the apostles was a brown-skinned man, regardless of those things, or as George Bush would say, irregardless of those things. (laughs) We are still left with a scenario in which it is impossible to rescue a society like South Africa's to the levels uh, which people would hope for and expect for, whether it be crime or the efficacy of the implementation of administrative uh, projects and programs, whether it is the, uh, the functioning of the Department of Education or the Department of Health or whatever. When the raw human material with which you're working is so disparate, it's got nothing to do with hatred. We have a challenge in which a society was built on the back of apartheid, rightly or wrongly, was built on the back of apartheid at a extremely uh, modern western progressive high level and it is now being run by people who don't or not able to sustain that level of uh, development and progress with all of the love in the world dave this thing can't be rescued you can't turn it around you can't go from a scenario in which you have uh, 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 19%, one in five of the world's AIDS patients is in South Africa. There are 194 wow. countries in the world. Depends on which you count or which you don't count. 194. One country has one in five of the patients. Because the people said that the government was lying when the government said that you mustn't have sex with too many people. You mustn't have unprotected sex. That AIDS is carried through semen and so on. They said the government is stupid. We know better. To fix that, is, it's, it's, it's like cleaning the Orgian stables and it's not going to happen.
0: It's uh, very hard to hear. Um, and, and, again, you just want to find something to solve the problem. Uh, but the proof is in the pudding and, and the nation is going the way it is. Amanda Grobler says, many of us expats still have family over there and worry about them day in and day out. Bo James Heyman um, asks this question, Simon, is it true that outside of the greater cities you need private security to travel?
1: Not not in all of the places all of the time, by no means. And this is this kind of one of these great ironies of South Africa is that you can live perfectly safely forever and ever in certain places, but in other places you, you have to be uh, fearful. Where I live, it's as safe as houses. But we've recently recorded our first four burglaries in three years. in In the past three weeks, so this kind of you know trouble is spreading. Where my parents live is extremely safe, but where my sons and their mom live, which is in a leafy, pretty northern suburb of Johannesburg, for those of you who are familiar with it, it's Roosevelt Park between Delta Park and Victory Park. A uh, beautiful, exquisite area, lovely, near Emerentia Dam. Uh, they've been burgled and their entire house cleaned out twice. So, it's in some areas are hopelessly unsafe to travel. You're crazy if you travel in daylight hours or during the dark. But there are other places where it's not so safe. And when I say places are unsafe, I'm not talking about uh, in, in townships or bad areas. I'm talking about normal areas ordinary areas, but which just happen to have become crime hotspots and where you would no longer let your wife pass any longer.
0: Wow. Um, Liesl Peters says, we're so lucky to be in Australia but have lots of family and friends in South Africa who can't get out, really fear for their safety and well-being. Um, And uh, somebody whose name I don't want to put on the screen says, God bless the Boers. Um, And Anita Maguire, I'm not sure what this means. Yes, I've struck supposedly black South African children in Australia who speak French. Um, I'm not sure what that's about. Um, uh, And Mama asks a question for you, Simon. What did Mandela do to solve the problems of South Africa?
1: That's a question that's far too deep to answer. There are two schools of thought there. The one was that he was a Trojan horse and nothing but a Trojan horse. Um, There is ample evidence, particularly from the Institute for Race Relations, a notoriously and infamously liberal organization, which is now writing how what is happening in South Africa is the uh, concluding period to a 60-year-long program of national democratic revolution, which is uh, based upon a concept called colonialism of a special type. It's meant to emulate Leninist-style revolution, but in another way. There's another school of thought that says, no, 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 no. We shouldn't be looking at all the negative. Nelson Mandela, if it wasn't for him, we wouldn't have had a peaceful transition. We wouldn't have had peace for the past going on 27 years. It'll be 27 years on the 27th of April, since they were multiracial first... Multiracial elections. So, do we thank God for 27 years of peace, but rape and decline? Or do we say this was always a Trojan horse? It was always just another way of achieving communism in South Africa, which, by the way, the Institute for Race Relations doesn't base its, uh, its allegations on opinion or conjecture. It bases them on original African National Congress documents that are being reiterated and re-endorsed and re reaffirmed to this very day. In other words, the African National Congress will tell you through its own documents that we are hell-bent on communism in South Africa. So was he a bad guy for, for facilitating like a wolf in sheep's clothing, like a pedophile priest in his cassock, uh, you know, this revolution? or was he, thank God, the kind of interim measure that prevented all-out war 27, 28, 29, 30 years ago? Um,
0: Pete asks, do you believe South Africa will be the next Zimbabwe? He's hoping not.
1: I do believe that South Africa will be, be one of the next Zimbabwe's. Uh, I won't give you a long sermon on on all of the evidence, but there's certain things happening in our uh, fiscal, financial and economic sphere now that indicate that the government is going to have to resort to inflation, to eradicate debt, and that inflation will will get out of control. This this is a a scientific thing. It's not uh, a matter of opinion. This is based on on solid science. Um, uh, however, I don't believe that we are going to be the only ones. Um, I, I don't want to get very far off the subject, but yesterday I watched a video featuring a man who is arguably the world's leading prognosticator, predictor, forecaster of uh, his uh, of economic trends or economic developments A man by the name of harry s dent jr being interviewed by sky news australia in which he talks about something that we safe have been talking about for two years by way of comparison that is to say the 47 trillion dollar unsustainable mortgage bubble in the australian property market it is a bubble which technically cannot be resolved and there are technical reasons for it in, for the, in the same way that the $27 trillion OTC derivatives debt on the books of, of Deutsche Bank cannot be paid. It's not possible. Technically, you cannot pay it. So Deutsche Bank is staring a, a, into, the, into the abyss. The Australian housing market is staring into the abyss. Sooner or later, the cows must, the chickens must come home to roost. Uh, and South Africa is staring into the abyss. I don't think we're unique, and I think that people fail.
0: We've just lost you right now. You uh, last words I heard you say were you think people have failed. Um, and oh, there you are. Sorry.
1: Video okay, is frozen.
0: I can hear you now. You're sorry. Expert, I, I Expert, was just saying that, President
1: that President Putin has spoken very eloquently about this recently, and so has Vladimir Pozner, if anybody wants to look it up, Vladimir Posner's keynote speech to the, the Yale Institute of Russian Studies.
0: Thank you. Look, final question before I let you go. I can see you're hanging for a smoke. <laughs> no, I um, just had one, but yeah,
1: it has been long. <laughs>
0: uh, Liesl Peters says, what can we do to help?
1: David, honestly, I don't think there's there's much. Uh, you know, sometimes when you give an answer like that, people say, "Don't come to me with problems. Come to me with solutions." There's always something you can do. I don't know what I can do if I see a, a concrete block falling from a six-story window uh, uh, onto your head, plunging down t- to the crown of your head. Other than say, "Dave, you're going to be in big trouble uh, very shortly." You know, uh, how do you fix this? By printing a trillion dollars? By saying "Kumbaya"? by immigrating to Australia, by buying more guns and preparing for a crisis in South Africa as we Saitlanders are doing, I don't know. I don't have an answer for what appears to be an intractable, insoluble problem. Right.
0: Well, if um, you'd like to keep up with what's happening in uh, South Africa and what Saitlanders is uh, doing uh, and and making aware uh, making the world aware of um, please head to their website sitelanders.org for those listening to the podcast that's spelt s u i d l a n d e r s dot org. tolanders.org forgive me for my australian attempt at, uh, at uh, your language simon what what's the, oh, the what's the well i've had a couple of thank you you're um, very kind <laughs> um, look uh, Simon I uh, want to thank you for your time um, thank you for your local or somewhat local insights in into the problems in Mozambique tonight um, and I guess I just want to add my prayers for South Africa that the government um, repents of its corruption and godlessness uh, that Uh, There is protection and justice for every citizen in in South Africa um, and that the state wouldn't fail. Um, And it would take a miracle for that to be the case, but we happen to be, uh, I guess, um, fans of a miracle working God. So, um, yeah, I pray that something happens there and certainly for protection for everybody. In South Africa that the government would not be the perpetrator but the defender of the the um, innocent um, going on there we've got a, a couple of um, quick questions and basically a lot of people saying thank you very much Simon and um, they're offering to to pray as well uh, Liesl says something which I'm assuming is in Boer, uh by B A I E. Uh, thank you very
1: much is what it means.
0: Thank you very much. Okay, good, good. Um, so thank you, thank you. And, um, and uh, yeah, and, and praying. Um, so communism is always godless, um, Anita says, um, and she's going to be praying for you all. Uh, not an exclusively Christian audience, but um, certainly a, a lot of Christians uh, watching Palo Talk tonight and The Good Source regularly. Um, and yeah, I, I wish there was a happier note to to end on, um, but um, uh, I guess what we have to do is make sure we at home are as strong and, and politically healthy as possible, as economically and financially strong as possible, so that we can have a stable, flourishing base from which to be generous um, with the the assistance uh, that we can offer when it's requested and and needed um for foreign nations of of all um colors and and languages um so simon thank you very much for your time tonight hang around after i say goodbye to the audience and um we'll just have a, a quick chat backstage if if uh, that's all right
1: that's fine thank you very much for having saint launders on your show again uh, dave it's a uh... Really, it's a fantastic show. We appreciate it. We appreciate the quality of your show and the tone of, of your show, you know, as a, as a Christian show. So we like to come on it. Thank you.
0: Well, thank you very much, Simon. That's Simon Roche from Sightlanders, uh, and that website is sightlanders.org. Now, don't forget if uh, you are enjoying the show for the first time tonight. Well, I guess you can't forget because uh, this is your first time. Um, so, if this is your first time, there's no paywall for the content on The Good Source. Uh, the Good Source, and Talk, in particular, is brought to you by The Good Source Supporters. We're a website uh, that's determined and designed to bring independent voices to you, producing them and bringing them not only in articles, but in videos and in podcasts as well. Uh, if you'd like to become a Good Source supporter, just head to the website, goodsource.news. There you can not only become a monthly or weekly financial contributor, but you can subscribe to the email updates. At this stage, nothing we do has a cost attached to it. It's all voluntary, free market. If we make it good enough, we hope you'll put your hand in your pocket and donate to keep it going. Um, And uh, also, don't forget to share the content that we produce. Uh, We're very heavily shadow banned and limited by the mainstream uh, by the corporate uh, the social media corporations Uh, and so we're relying on people subscribing to our newsletter and uh, sharing it with their friends um, when they when they see something that they like so that's it for the show tonight i want to again thank you very much for your uh, time and your comments and your involvement in the show and uh, we hope that we will see you next week. Good night.
1: If not now, then when will we see an answer this day? Oh, it's not enough to do nothing. It's time for us to do something.